What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. And yes, indeed, it is the cardboard coaches, not the cardboard corpses, as you may have heard during our exclusive at the Toronto Sport Card Expo. I am, as always and as usual, your friendly neighborhood sports card cartel. And we've got a very special guest on the podcast today. We have Mr. Jeremy Lee from Sports Cards Live. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. What a what a what a pleasure it is to stare back at your two mugs right now. Uh, it was great to see you guys at the expo, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we are too, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Uh, it's uh, I feel like we've seen each other a lot in the last little bit, you know, between. Between the mint, uh, like this month, the mint, and then we had the expo, we had the dinner, we had, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on here and uh, always going to be good conversations between uh, all of us. We are, and I'm sure that our listeners are very excited to hear a little bit about your expo, I mean, all of our expo experiences, uh, because we all had very different experiences. I mean, you were running a lot of panels as well as, you know, by the tag booth, which we're going to get into as well. And your own booth. Uh, we had the cartel double boothing, double boothing. We should coin that. That's double boothing. <laughs> and, uh, and then we had me just kind of freelancing like I normally do. So uh, I'm going to start by sharing my, uh, my thoughts and opinions on the expo, and then we can transition into everyone else. So for me, I thought the expo was the best expo yet. And I've made this public knowledge. I've said this so many times already, and I'm going to continue to say it because uh, I think that they put on a hell of a show. I think that it was the probably the most organized it's been since coming back from COVID. The, the, the second venue is starting to feel a lot more like home. Uh, the first few times that they added it, I think it's, this is the third show now that they've had the uh, Hall 4. Um, and it's starting to feel more and more like it's like a part of the expo. Whereas before it kind of, it was like off in the distance, but now there's so much stuff going on on the stage. There's the autograph booths there. Uh, there's the, the, the people running booths in hall four are doing such a great job of bringing people back. Like I, I specifically went to hall four to go to booths that I, I remembered from last year, uh, and or last expo rather. I mean, it was both. And, um, it's it's really been wonderful to see it all come together from you know one expo to the next uh the amount of people that i saw make the trip up from the united states is fantastic i think it's a big sign that that you know the expo is growing in popularity uh, and I, and again just telling that or uh, it says a lot that people are willing to to make the trip up because it's, it's, it's hard to cross the border, right? Like, I mean, it requires a passport. It's a, more of a financial commitment as well. Uh, it's not so convenient. So the fact that people are actually coming up to the expo means that it's worth coming to and that the, the experiences that people are hearing and sharing with one another are positive ones. Um, I mean, that's my take on the expo. Uh, Cartel, what did you think? Well, I know one thing, uh, Coach Co. You you were just about everywhere. You, your mustache acting as the beacon, the Batman like symbol. Um, it kind of does look like a bat, actually, in a way. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I felt like you were always in the mix 
uh, of the action. That's what I loved about my situation as well. We were very centrally located. So we found ourselves involved in all sorts of drama, including uh, the, the, the Peel police showing up at a certain point. Uh, but it always seemed like Coach Co was in the center of the uh, uh, of the uh, of the uh, hurricane, so to speak. It was absolutely um, flabbergasting how well attended this was. The excitement, the energy, any question of whether or not you know the the, the hobby could kind of keep up its 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 pace and and direction were answered overwhelmingly. On Saturday, you could barely get through some of the aisles. Um, it was just absolutely amazing to see. It was a great energy. Um, we, we saw so many of our, our friends, uh, like the guys from Hockey Card Gong Show who were filming content. Jay from Mojo uh, showed up, uh, did some work with Minting, some breaks. Um, King of Cards has been coming in the last few years, as you know. And like, what, like you said, Coach Co, it's so, it's so great seeing that the show is getting this recognition. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it just seems to be getting bigger and better. I know it's a cliche to say it was the best ever, so right. to speak. It's like uh, the Leafs are the best, had the best ever year this year, but because of recency bias, but it was amazing. It, was, it really was an amazing show. It was my first time attending the post. Uh, uh, help me out here. I believe, was it Friday or Saturday? Uh, everything's kind of blurred to me. Thursday. Show, uh, Thursday. Dinner. Thursday. The, the dinner? It was Thursday. There yeah. you go. I mean, yeah. listen, guys, I'm still recovering. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if uh, if Jeremy still has a jet lag and is recovering himself, but um, you know that that was great to 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 attend that dinner um, that that Jeremy uh, throws on uh, uh, the past few years, I guess. Um, so it was amazing. It was, it was a it was a really great time. I was surrounded by great people. I can't say enough about it. I can't wait for the next one, guys. Yeah, Jeremy, we need. Uh, how what was it like? First of all, I mean, they had you up on stage on Saturday at like nine a.m., didn't they? I was up, I think it was 10 o'clock. I was on stage on Saturday with uh, with the guys from The Chase, from Dave and Adams, with Tyler. So, uh, yeah, I did, did that. Did that. That was kind of sprung on me the night before. I was. I think I was on the main stage five times altogether, which is, you know, it's fun and got to be up there a couple times with you. So it's great. Overall, though, the weekend was killer. You know, started off Thursday night, the VIP night was a good first night and then the Jack Astors we had over 80 people. I've been organizing that that dinner since 2012 actually, twice Ooh. a year. So we've done it like over 20 times and this was by far uh not by far cuz I think la I think in November we had 75 people come. This time I think we got to 81 and I only know that cuz that's how the wait staff keeps track of us. They put a sticker on your Stickers. on your shirt with your number so they know what how to they know where to find you and how to bill you. So I think we had 81 of those stickers passed out. So that was pretty awesome. You know, I'm still recovering. I'm still doing deals though, guys. Like, you know, you go to the expo and then you have the hangover deals that come from That's people right. you met there. Just today I went to meet a guy at a Tim Hortons to drop off a card for for him to his cousin that kind of came out of the expo. So there, you know, I've been doing, I've done three or four deals since then that came out of it. For me, it was my second best expo ever from a, just from like a sales perspective, like dollars wise, the, my best ever being last time. So I didn't quite meet last times, but it was still very good. And my inventory wasn't as good as it's been. So, but I moved a couple of big cards, which is nice to see big, big cards moving. You know, you talked about Americans coming up a lot of Americans, and I think we should get more and more of them because they have to realize 
that their dollar goes so much further in Canada than our dollar goes. Sure they get does. a 35% bonus just for showing up. I yep. mean, that that's something that I think we as a hobby, the the promoters of Expo need to really let them know, guys, you want, you want 35% off before you even walk through the door? Come to the Expo in Canada. So I had a great Expo. I can't wait. I, we got the Edmonton Expo, which is the same promoters that's coming up next weekend in Edmonton. I'm driving up on Thursday. Can't wait. So overall, yeah, great experience at the Expo. And it was good to hang out with you guys and see you guys and uh, everybody else. Great, great point regarding the Americans, Jeremy. And uh, before this, uh, this next little side note here, Coach Co, where did uh, Jeremy meet with uh, that that person to make a deal post-Expo? Tim Hortons. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, like Jeremy mentioned, on the side of uh, how he did uh, in, in terms of sales and, and things like that, I, I, I definitely second that notion. It was, uh, it, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know if it was the absolute best, but it was certainly up there for me as well. Maybe second, third, third best. And, and, and I was doing the double booth duty where I couldn't really be maximizing my presence and being able to sell my wares, so to speak for Friday and Saturday, which are key days. Although like Jeremy mentioned, Thursday was fantastic. Obviously a lot of people show up early. I noticed a lot of Americans getting in early. Maybe they didn't want to spend the, the entire kind of uh, weekend, but they had very specific lists of stuff that they were trying to fill. And uh, I, I, I made a comment on a previous episode and uh, Jeremy, I think you actually, um, you either liked the comment or you followed up on it about the fact that, you know, there, there's particular sectors that are just so healthy right now. People, paying in that kind of uh, 50 to 500 range. And and it could be multiples, it could be multiples of the 500, by the way, don't get me wrong, but um, just very brisk movement on stuff like that. I would say last show, maybe there was even more trading going on. People were more willing to, to part with dollars. Guys, we did have the advantage of it being um, the playoff season, yes. getting started during the show. You had a lot of speculation going on, right? Well, it's the um, first time that we so had that, this. That, Sorry to interrupt you. That helped everyone. That, that helped everyone, so. It's the first time that we've had the expo and when it's supposed to be since COVID, right? Like, so most of the times, I think it's been like June, the spring expo lately. It's like, and uh, I mean, the fact that we had it when baseball season was starting, when NBA playoffs was starting, NHL playoffs was starting, the NFL draft coming up, which was hap just happened this past weekend. I mean, there was a, a lot of reasons to... I mean, buy and sell, you know, it's like, to your point, it, there was, there was, it was hot. It was hot. People were buying stuff. There was like stuff that happened. I remember when the, the Leafs won on Thursday, Thursday night, when I came in on yeah. Friday, people were all of a sudden like more likely to buy Leaf stuff. And the reason why I know that is because people were asking, whereas on Thursday, no one was really asking. I mean, not no one was not asking for Leaf stuff, but people were kind of hesitant to buy like a Matthews or a Marner because they had just been stomped seven three, uh, and there, it, you know, there was a weird little air to to whether the Leafs were gonna do what they normally do and blow it, uh, or just like not get to the end. And uh, surprise, surprise, the Leafs advanced. And uh, but yeah, no, it was just it's cool to see the progression in price from things happening, uh, and and it, even if there wasn't like a a sharp progression in price at the very least there was like an increase in liquidity when things happened and that's something that you don't always get to take advantage of at at card shows quite frankly because i mean the, the biggest card show for for hockey fans is the expo and as, as especially when it comes to the spring like it's just not when people really i mean it just hasn't ha it hasn't happened when when people are in the playoffs anymore 
There's like a few teams left. I, don't know I thought it was, I thought I it was so important. Guys, that... did, it, did it affect what you were going after? I mean, subconsciously, I think it did all of us. Did it not, Jeremy? Well, what I what I thought was awesome is that, like you guys are saying, we had we had the NHL playoffs going on, but we had the Oilers and the Leafs still in it, obviously, and winning games and giving hope to those fan bases who are two of probably those two in the Habs, the Montreal Canadiens, probably the, the, the three biggest fan bases in hockey to ha- you know, to have them both still playing and successful. You know, you make the point that the Leafs won on Thursday and it just, that was, that was like critical to the show. Not that people are going to come and like try and buy up all the Leafs cards, but just the, the energy, the psychology in the room, people are happier because their team just won, whether it was Oilers or Leafs or whomever, but those two teams in particular, that made the show that much more enjoyable, I think, for everybody. So it really awesome that it was when it was in April versus, you know, pre-COVID, the Expo was always the first weekend in May. That's like when it's been forever. And unfortunately, the Leafs either haven't been in the playoffs or have been knocked out of the first round by that point in time. So it was just so great that they were still in it and winning. I mean, that was awesome. I love that you keep bringing that up in your stories, Jeremy, uh, that the support, whether or not you like the team or not, you, you're clearly supporting those those two clubs because it's kind of great for the sport, for the hobby in general. 100%. I mean, listen, I grew up hating the Leafs and the Oilers. They were two of my mo- my two most hated teams from the team based on what I was a fan of. The Winnipeg Jets, you'd go to the Jets games, we'd get beat by the Oilers all the time, or you'd go to the Jets games at home. And the Leafs would be in town and half the half the Winnipeg Arena is cheering for the Leafs instead of the home team because the Leafs have such a wide fan base in Canada. I grew up not liking those two teams. Now, though, because I'm, you know, such a I, I just love this hobby so much, I recognize how important it is for the hobby. And I swear, guys, last night, uh, well, last night the Oilers won. I was like so excited. And when the Leafs won the night before, I was so excited. <laughs> They so both won. For they you both guys. won on the same night, man. They both won. It was I the was same like, night. Yeah, My yeah. bad. I yeah, was so. Okay. Yeah, it was earlier on in the day. I yeah. guess I yeah, was yeah, yeah. so excited for the hobby, for everyone's collections that are deep in McDavid and Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Drysital and all that. I mean, I just I'm so excited. And if we could make it a Stanley Cup final, it's possible. The Oilers versus the Leafs. Then I'm gonna have to pick a side because right now. I I'm hoping for both, you know, but I, I'm just so I have so many Leaf fan friends. I'm I'm legitimately and sincerely so happy for all you guys like and I, my team sucks now. So I don't even care about them right now. I'm all about I'm all about you guys and I'm just excited for it. It's like the, one of the biggest things about collecting is nostalgia and the fact that like both of these teams haven't really had a ton of success. And the last time they did, like you kind of have to be nostalgic and look back at those great teams uh, it, it just it's like something special brews when that happens, you know, like it's just there's like a it's like the collecting element meets the sports element. And uh, yeah, no, I agree. There's a massive buzz in the city. Uh, I'm very excited. You know, I, I, one of the things I want to talk about as well, I, I we can't we can't skip over the expo without talking about uh, tag because you guys and I say you guys, you've, you've been working with tag um, and I'd like you to kind of share what your role is and and all and during all of that but you guys are new to the space there's a, a lot of buzz about you guys in a positive manner there's a, a lot of technology behind your grading processes 
And, you know, people are given a lot of information where the market's kind of been asking for this for quite some time. You know, a lot of the issues that people have when it comes to grading with the conventional grading companies is that they're not really provided an explanation as to, you know, why the cards grade the way that they do. And that's something that that TAG really prides themselves with. Uh, and so I'd love for you to share, you know, how, from your experience, how TAG did at the Expo, uh, you know, just from whether it's interest, whether that's, you know, number of submissions, whatever you want to use as a, as a marker, um, but also kind of explain to everyone who's listening, you know, how, I mean, how TAG came to be, you know, how, what your place in the space is. Yeah, happy to. Thanks for yeah, the opportunity. Of course, right? First of all, um, tag at the expo itself. We had that hockey setup. You come shoot yes. uh, shoot the puck on the goalie. We had guys playing in net, net there. Uh, for us, the show was excellent overall. We, you know, the exposure, building the brand in Canada is very important to tag. Uh, submit some take home submissions were very strong for us. You know, we're not doing volumes of business like. Uh, PSA and Beckett are doing, but for where we're at, we were very happy. We were so happy with it, actually, that originally the Edmonton Expo being two weeks later from Toronto, which is next weekend, I was going to go and just kind of represent the, the brand, but not be there with a tag setup. After the Toronto Expo, we as a group decided to actually attend corporately the Edmonton Expo. So I've been telling people, we, you know, tag wasn't coming to Edmonton. There wasn't going to be uh, take-home submissions. Now there will be. So that's how good it was in Toronto uh, that we decided to do the the Edmonton show. Uh, my role, so I'm I'm business development for for Tag International Business Development. Um, now we are still really controlling our intake because we are not yet ready to open the floodgates and bring in and really meet the demand that we have. So we're doing these grading drops a couple times a month. We're taking submissions home from card shows, but we're still not at full capacity. We will be soon. I don't know exactly when, but let's say by conservatively say by Q3, Q4. So what's that? October one, hopefully by that point. And I'm, I'm internally, we're shooting for sooner, but I'm trying to be conservative and saying by then we should have everything in place right now. The, the holdup is there's a piece of technology that's going to allow us to move cards through our, through our, grading system faster our our grading technology is there it's 10 years in the making 11 years now actually that tag um was created as a corporate entity it took 10 years to develop the 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 automated technology the ai the machine learning all that stuff it's ready it's just we need this last piece that's going to let us get things through quicker especially from a qa perspective and then we're going to be able to increase our output by like I don't know exactly what fold, but big enough fold that we will now be competing on a monthly basis in terms of our throughput with, I don't know if we'll, we'll meet PSA's million cards a month, yeah. but we're going to be kind of at those numbers that we see the other uh, the other human grading companies at. And the company was originated because our founder, Steve Cass, uh, had retired from his career 10 years, 11 years ago and had a 400,000 card collection. His his only son was not interested in it. So he decided, well, I'll look into selling these things. Then he learned that to sell them, it's best to get them graded. And then he learned that, well, these cards need to go to this company and these cards need to go to that company. So he tried the different companies. And he in trying the companies, he realized that there was very little consistency in the grade, both between grading companies and within a single grading company. 
And he thought there must be technology that could address this and make it number one, consistent, reproducible, and also um, transparent. So he set out to figure out how to do it. And his first move was to team up with somebody who was a very well-respected ex-senior grader with one of the big grading companies that we're all well aware of and uh, teamed up with him. And for the last 10 years, they've been working with the the machine learning AI, you know, whatever you want to call it, automated uh, company to build the technology. So while TAG is automated grading, it is not looking to uh, redefine grading standards. Rather, it's looking to take the generally accepted grading standards and apply them with automation consistently. So instead, you know, I often like to say, why why would you pay the same company twice to grade your card? They should get it right the first time if they're really able to. But the fact of the matter is that the human grading companies are 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 just limited by being human. They are not. They are just. It's impossible to have consistent, uh, reproducible grading. They do the best they can. They do the best they can. They provide their opinions. But as we know from the whole, you know, resub game. And TAG isn't interested in resubmissions. We want to get it right the first time, and and, and we will. So, um, and it's all about transparency. You know, from transparent slab, transparent grading, transparent process, uh, and that's why I was willing to to team up with them because I've been collecting for over forty years. I've got a very diverse uh, collection of PSA and Beckett graded slabs, and when I saw what TAG was able to do, and I saw it. I saw it. I went down to their facility uh, a year ago, over a year ago now, 15 months, 14 months ago, and was blown away by how advanced for a company that, you know, you never heard of. Uh, they were like just positioning themselves to take the hobby by storm. And, you know, a year from now, um, I think that uh, many more people in the hobby will will realize what tag is and just how how reliable of a grading company that we are. And we'll have a different uh, presence in the hobby than we do today. I think, I think that uh, that I think it's uh, go for it. lots there. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. That was good. It's, it's a very uh, challenging space in the hobby. Um, so uh, you you know you made you made a lot of uh, great points there about what tag could could bring to this to that very challenging space. I think that it's it's daunting, but um, anything I think that helps kind of open collectors' minds up a little bit and get away from this concept that you know a company. I mean, in most conversations, it becomes PSA is the be all end all. People really have to start realizing that that's just not the right way to to, to think about things. Uh, you know, I, I I find myself in danger. I talk about this company, that means that I'm only into them. I talk about this company, I'm only into them, which is ridiculous. Um, we're we're all, all all three of us are collectors and understand the uh, the, um, the 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 good and the bad with all of these companies but anything i think that helps kind of open people's minds to the fact that there can be um multiple avenues for grading there can be companies that offer something interesting and getting away from this concept that there's just this one be all end all i think is positive for the hobby i think that's uh i'm realizing that more and more and you guys are putting a lot into the marketing i have to say jeremy i'm a little disappointed that you're not going to be rocking the daft punk outfit in edmonton uh, with your uh, height and stature, that that would be quite a thing to see. So you know, may- maybe there's still some time. I don't know. Maybe you'll consider it. We'll see. We'll see. One one comment, if I can make, is that you know, uh, PSA is, is kind of that that the the big monster in the whole machine, right? And uh, and but they weren't always. So there yeah. has been changes, right? Beckett dominated for a while, at least within certain eras, and then 
PSA kind of took it over. We've seen we we saw we saw a, a good challenge from HGA until they seem to have disappeared. CSG, SGC have both made great strides. So even though PSA is the market leader right now, it doesn't mean they're going to forever be the market leader. And I mean, again, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be politically correct and say they do the best job they can. They've done a great job to build up the hobby to where it is today, as has Beckett. Uh, but at the same time. I see regularly, you know, so many complaining complaints on social media and even hearing them firsthand just at card shows, not about just, you know, how inconsistent they can be. And um, that's where that's where tag is going to really shine is that we won't be inconsistent with our grades. Uh, you know, that, that that's going to be a big deal. And I and back to my previous point, you know, don't don't count us out before you've even given us a chance being tagged, because as I said, these the 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 grading company the favored grading company has shifted over the years and i think with you know we're the we're the only ones using technology like really using technology to grade the cards so i think that there's a a, a contingent of the hobby that has always thought that grading was a sham i won't call it a scam i don't think it's a scam an opinion yeah, yeah. is an opinion yeah yeah but grading has sort of been a sham to a lot of people and i think a lot of those people have been waiting for a company like tag to come out and take the human element out of it uh, now some people will say well a computer doesn't know how to grade a card a human has to be involved so well yes we we're very clear on that we have we have grading experts that have helped work with the ai development teams to make sure that the computer knows what it's doing to grade the card so there is human involvement but luckily for us we've got some of the most respected um human graders on our team that have been working on it for many years so um, I got, you know, being on the inside and also being a collector. And when I announced back in September of last year that I was joining, I said in my like in my like Instagram post, I made a statement. I said, I'm going to be representing the hobby on the inside of tag. So whatever, whatever influence I have inside tag, I'm going to put the hobby first, the company second and Jeremy Lee third. That's kind of how I'm approaching it. So I want the hobby or at least the people that know me or are listening to this and watching this to understand that I'm not there to try and just make money. I'm there because I love this hobby. I love our collections. I love the community. And to the extent that I have influence within tag and I do, I'm going to put the hobby ahead of everything else. So I think that's I, important I, to say. I love that. And I think that's crucial, especially when we start talking about uh, like Evan Mathis's post that's flo uh, it's floating around Instagram right now. Uh, it was reposted by Cardhorn. It's actually a video of him basically walking you step by step through uh, how to manipulate vintage cards. Well, he, he and apparently he's submitted. Uh, I think he got a PSA nine on a Mickey Mantle, and so he's literally in the video trimming sports cards and and you know teaching you step by step how to do it. And you know it's very crucial that we get these grading standards intact right we we need we need more of a like across the board not opinions are necessary but especially when we start getting to high high value i mean these are very expensive pieces of, of paper right they're very expensive expensive items and there's so many potential biases that can that can fall on on someone's lap whether intentionally or un, or in, unintentionally my i can't speak right now whether intentionally or unintentionally. And it's, it's just so crucial that we have as much information as humanly possible 
available to as many people as humanly possible right now, I think. Thoughts? 100% agree. No, I mean, yeah, Cartel, you want to jump in there? Just to respond on the Mathis? I mean, uh, listen, I mean, you you and I are, are uh, OGs in the space. We've been around for a while. We, we're aware of these these realities. Um, I think as time goes on and, you know, new entrants coming into the hobby, that information is now coming to the fore and reaching more people and becoming more of a concern. We've, we've had situations in the past where popular companies, I, I don't want to make this, you know, about any one particular company or anything that were very accepting of cards that were not, not only being, you know, cut out of sheets, but trimmed themselves. And they float around and they are, they are, they are in the pool, so to speak. And that's one of these big conversations that comes up. Cause I don't know if you guys, you know, in, in the comment, I mean, obviously, would you, would you, deact would, would you deactivate the serial numbers? Like, would you, well, this, that's, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. In the comment section, you had these people saying, Oh, it's no big deal. And you said, yeah, people saying it's a, it's a huge deal. And what if you're the person caught holding the bag, so to speak, when, it's been a trimmed card has been auctioned off several times and gone through several hands. Um, and then all of a sudden there's this unilateral decision to deactivate these certs that hurts so many people. It causes such a stain, causes such a black eye. It's uh, it's, a, it's a huge issue for sure. I don't know how they deactivate them. I mean, first of all, they need to get them PSA, I think would need to get those cards in hand, re-inspect them because it doesn't mean that every single card he's ever submitted is trimmed. It might mean that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. So how do they decide which ones to really uh, decertify? And then those cards have changed hands so many times. Now you're destroying people's financial investment, especially on valuable cards. Uh, it's also them. It's also them admitting that they couldn't do their job or they, they, they're not able to, uh, authenticate a trimmed card or to detect a trimmed card. And I mean, I watched his full length video on TikTok today. That's where you see the full length, not on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. He goes over the card several times on the edge, getting, he calls it fur. I call it fray, getting rid of the fray. He's got, he can reapply gloss to a card. He can erase a print. He, he mentions the PD, the print defect. The guy's got it down to a pretty good science. My biggest concern is now, anybody else he's just he's just given the lesson on how to do it so but so it does two things it might increase the frequency or the amount of people that are going to give it a try oh look he's just taught me how to do it that's one that's one thing but it's also going to make a lot of people that much more aware that it's out there and this could really hurt the high end the high grade market because no one's going to trust not I shouldn't say no one but fewer people are going to trust super high grade vintage cards i find it hard to believe that there's a psa 10 of any card that exists from 90 earlier than 1980 no. let's say right no. never mind and nines and nines from the the 40s 50s like how do they even exist well maybe it's from this that's going to make people aware like you said and hesitant right it's just all that's all not not good news well uh, it's totally different it, oh, go for sorry, it go ahead, go ahead. yeah i, I was gonna say it's gonna, it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's especially it kind of sucks because you and I have both had instances, and by you and I, I mean I mean cartel, where we sent in cards to grading companies that came back as like altered or min size that were pack pulled. You know what I mean? And and so it, they're all they're already skeptical, and now a video like this comes out where they, 
you know, this guy basically gives you a blueprint on how to how to trim cards. I mean, I, what makes you think so, that they're not going to be more skeptical? And on top of that, when it gets bounced back as min size, like guess who's paying for that? It's me. You know, I'm paying for it. I'm paying you to tell me that my card that was back pulled is, is min size. And they don't know. They don't know what my the trajectory of this card was. They don't know what the lineage is. They don't know. They didn't watch me open a pack from from upper deck and, you know, submit it with my my own two hands and ship it. And so I think that part is what worries me the most moving forward after the, the surfacing of this video. Yeah, and I, I, I hear you. Can I can I show you a picture? This is I, I was just looking for. I just found it. I, I didn't know what year it was, but in at the National in 2017 in Chicago, I went there and Evan Mathis had a table and I went to the table and he had his PSA 9 52 tops mantle yes. and his and his PSA 10 53 tops mantle. So that's me <laughs> holding <laughs> his cards that now I realize are both likely trimmed. And then just if I go that way. There's him holding them. I took a picture of him holding those Jeremy, two cards. So can you send me that, Jeremy, if you don't mind? Can you text that to me? Yeah, I'll text you that. I'll yeah. text you. I'll text you those pictures. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll, tag, I'll tag you in the video. You, okay. You don't even have to go as far back as that. I mean, like even like late 70s, early 80s, people are not taking care of cards or, or seeing them as we do now. Um, a gentleman brought in a 1981 Tops Montana into the store the other day. One of the nicest ones I'd ever seen. Sharp corners, edges. You could tell this was from a personal collection. There was no uh, um, tomfoolery going on here. He, he got the card as a kid. But the problem there was he brought it in in one of those screw downs yeah. of the time. And uh, I don't know, you know, again, very low quality kind of plastic screw down. And I don't know how it was stored. It was probably stored inappropriately, maybe too much heat, moisture. But it, it had warped, right? It kind of started opening. And when I, when I, took it out, took out the screws and took out the Montana. What I had was what looked like it could have been like a PSA nine Montana, but was now wavy. The, the, the actual cardboard was wavy. So like, even when people tried to do the right thing and take care of these cards, even going into like the early eighties, much less the fifties and sixties, um, you know, you really do. That is such a great point. Like how many of these cards can actually really be a nine or, or, or a 10? Well, cause you don't know um, how they're going to age, centering, right? Centering is taken care of when you're yeah. trimming. You are affecting centering, and that's something that you didn't have control of before. And, so, and let's be honest, that's probably one of the biggest uh, like influence like factors when grading. Like the one of the first things you notice is centering, right? Like it's yeah. it's the, the probably the most obvious, uh, especially when it comes to like those old school baseball cards where most of them have like a, like a pretty sharp sharp borders. Like they they were meant the, the pictures were meant to pop, and so they usually have like white borders or so, something of that nature. Um, and so, you know, you change the centering of that card, all of a sudden people are like, oh, wow, this is like the, the eye appeal dr dramatically changes, right? I think I the guess, big... I, the, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Cartel. Well, I'll be quick. I don't want to get into the realm of the, uh, you know, some of these folks going off the, the rails like... No, uh, no, for sure. Sports. But um, let's also not forget, um, you know, when you talk about the fact that it's the companies don't want it don't want to admit they made mistakes and it's their reputation on the line. I'm, I'm comfortable saying, and I'm pretty sure, you know, in a lot of these instances, I think about those run of future watch McDavid's there, there is also the, the human reality that there may have been an insider type of thing where they were maybe one or two graders of people in the, in the organizations were aware 
of, of what was going on and allowing it to pass through that way rather than coming at it from this concept that, you know, it was, it was uh, just, you know, human error and lack of uh, knowledge on some of these graders. I think it's a healthy mix of both. You know, I know it's been beaten to death, but the very first card PSA ever graded, yep. the wag, the PSA Wagner is, is known trimmed and their, their brand was largely built on that card. So that's, that's a, seems like a house of cards, pun not intended, but that, that th- there's that. So that, that leads me to this. What the real question that I have in all of this card trimming stuff is, and this is gonna, this is kind of, this is, this is very controversial, but does it even matter? And the way I listen, I let me state, I do not condone, uh, endorse trimming. I do not want trimmed cards in my collection. I'm sure I have a couple because I've got some high grade vintage stuff. I'm sure I've got some trimmed cards. But at the end of the day, once it is in that PSA slab that the hobby gives so much credence to, yeah. does it matter? If it's not detectable, does it matter? Now, it does. I know that it does to, to, the, to the purists, including ourselves here. I don't want any. I would never trim a card. I don't want to trim card in my collection. I'm sure I have some, but the greater hobby, so many people only care about what number the, the the PSA slab says. Some people only care about how competitive they are on the PSA set registry. Yeah. They don't care what the card looks like. They only care about that. So does it even matter? Now, I think I, I hope it does. I hope that the hobby wakes up and, and, and realizes. Now, I don't know where we go from here, really, because... Does it just is this the end of high grade vintage? I don't know. Is this the uprising of low grade vintage? Because you're just feel you feel better about it. I don't know. But at the end of the day, what impact is this going to to really have? Or at a, at a complete extreme, is this is Evan Mathis's video going to start the shift in our hobby? This is a question. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. The shift towards where sports card collectors start to look at sports cards the way. Art collectors look at art, comic collectors look at comics, coin collectors look at coins, and stamp collectors look at stamps, where a little bit of uh, alteration to make it look better, like a a vintage vehicle, rest, restored vehicles, there's, not, there's no, nothing wrong with that. We as card collectors have historically put these, the, put up the, these um, requirements or these these yeah. rules that thou shall not trim a card, thou shall not add color, thou shall not rub out a crease, et cetera, et cetera. But as Evan Math, Evan Mathis, I mean, I I wrote in a in a group chat, I mean, I'm like, but when I first saw him, I'm like, wow, he's really leaning into this. Yeah, he's not pretending not. He's leaning right into. It. He's even in saying, the comment section, he was. They're like, oh, you're a scum. He's like, sorry, you feel that way and stuff like that. Like he's like like responding to everybody. I'm like, this is. I know. Yeah. I actually respect the way he's handling it because he's just saying, this is what I do. And I think he's also saying, I don't see so much wrong with it just because 99% of the hobby thinks it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. So I'm going to talk about it. He's also now just like, now what can you say about the guy? Except that he does it and he's saying he does it. Also, I had this discussion uh, earlier today with another content creator, John Newman from sports card nation. And, um, I said, you know, I don't know that there's anything criminally wrong with trimming cards and selling them and even not mentioning it. Now, ethically, morally, would I ever do it? Absolutely not. Do I want to be the victim of that? Absolutely not. 
But is there any criminal wrongdoing? Is there is any law being broken by anybody doing this? I don't think so. I'm no lawyer, but I don't think so. These are unwritten laws. These are social mores that we have in our hobby. There, but that is not law. So you know what? What's the downside for the people doing it? I think it's really just like excommunication from the hobby, extradition. Yeah. You know, like hey, yeah. you're out of the hobby. But now Evan Mathis is saying, well, I don't think you're going to get me out of the hobby. Not only that, I'm going to come right out and tell you what I'm doing. So I wonder if this is the uh, uh, a first step towards maybe it becoming there being people in the hobby that are okay with an Evan Mathis trimmed card or trimmed card and not not kind of feeling like I don't want that in my collection at all because it's been altered. I wonder if that's the step because all other hobbies are okay with it except ours. And I wonder if that's the way it might go. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Well, like, well, is it ever... Especially with a company being involved as a, as a middleman, like the, and and guys like Math is just being at the starting point in that chain. When you talk about laws and legality, that that makes it even more complicated because, and I think it makes it more attractive for those guys because ultimately they're just the beginning of that chain. Once a card is trimmed and then sent into a company, and then the company's deciding there's no evidence of that and they're slabbing it. And it's funny what you said. There there is a whole contingent of collectors and and flippers and whoever else that probably don't spend much time looking at the card in the slab. They're, they're really focused on the slab itself, you know, and or, that, or that also was involved in the conversation. I wanted to get Jeremy's opinion real quick on the whole Beckett fiasco, where they were going to start doing things with the overall grade. And again, that, that, that speaks to the slab and people are very focused on the slab. We've had conversations, Coach Co, about, these instances where we've looked at cards in the slab. Because I want to look at the card. I, I, I'm i not buying a slab without very vigorously inspecting the card. I think I think with modern and stuff in the 50 to, you know, maybe even 5,500 range, I think it's more likely that people are skipping that process and just buying the slab. So there's an opportunity yeah. there if people want to behave that way. Well, right? I think Beckett really just needs to get everybody involved in Beckett on the same page. So they're not putting the wrong sign up at the card show. They did it at the national last year. They did it at mint collective this year. First of all, get your team on the same page. Okay. And that might be more difficult than we think it is. I don't know. Second thing is, you know, what they were intending to do was to make a card that had, I believe four nine fives to change the, the nomenclature from being a gem mint to a mint plus. I think that was the critical error. Because now yes. everybody out there who has gem mint collections, because they love the Beckett slab, the label, they love the subgrades, they love the true gems, 495s, to know that that those are no longer considered by Beckett to be gem mint. Now, even though nothing has changed in their card, the card is still the same card. So, yeah. you know, we as a hobby, we are, we do love these slabs, but but despite that. That was the critical mistake because now you've pissed off your loyalist customers, your, some of your most loyal customers. So I think that was a mistake. I don't know what the solution is for them. I just know that they do want to they do want to be able to compete with the PSA 10 because the BGS 95 is is inferior perceptionally in the hobby to the PSA 10, and the BGS 10 is just too hard to get. So they don't have they don't have a slab that competes with the PSA 10. They used to have the 9.5, which compete, which competed very strongly, and sometimes oh, you know, could beat out a PSA 10. So those are my thoughts, Cartel. They just they just need to do a better job of, of on their messaging, get everybody on the same page, and then if they want to compete with the PSA 10, they have to figure out a way to do it without alienating their millions of cards that have already been out there and their 
thousands of customers that love the true gem, gem mint, uh, gem mint 9.5 grade. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, especially because you're seeing more and more frequently people crack out nine fives um, just because of the, the, the potential increase in value in sending it to PSA. Right. Uh, and maybe, maybe even SGC. I mean, I don't know. Does a 1010 do, do better than a nine five? Maybe in some instances. Right. And so you're seeing, I'm seeing uh, like a lot of nine fives being cracked out and, and even attempted crossing. And so, you know, what you're doing is not, really helping the cause right like you want to you want to maintain the value of your slabs you don't want to devalue the the, the the value of your slabs with, with the people who care most about those slabs do you know what i mean like, like like you mentioned these are people who have stuck by you i mean i know people that are still like diehard beckett that they only submit to beckett they they only buy beckett and and you know those are the people that suffered the most with with, with announcements like this and it that doesn't make any sense like it should all always be about retention Especially of the people who who have, you know, kept you afloat essentially while while you figured stuff out for the last two three years because well, quite frankly they've been sleep they've been asleep basically since COVID started, uh, and they haven't yeah, really woken woken up quite yet. And they just I mean their CEO Kunal Chopra I believe his name is out so he's no longer there so they're making I don't know if that's him taking the fall for what happened at Mint Collective and at the National last year I don't know but. They are making some changes at the at the highest level. I've heard rumors of who might be coming in to replace them. I won't say because I just don't know if it's true or not, but uh, we'll see. And uh, and you know, I Beckett is an integral brand to the hobby. I'm sure all three of us love that brand. I love the Beckett brand. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I'm with tag grading. I want to see Beckett succeed. Yep. I I mean, I'm 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 friends with Dr. James Beckett. I mean, who you know, the 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 20 year old me never thought I'd be able to say that out loud. I'm friends with the guy whose name's on the magazine that I was reading every month and couldn't wait for it to come out. So I, I you know, there's a lot of nostalgia in that brand for for all of us. I'm sure I want to see it succeed. I want to see them, you know, do well, get rebound from these these two recent mishaps in the last year. And hopefully at the National in Chicago coming up here in, at the end of July, uh, they can maybe, um, you know, re uh, redeem themselves. I'd like to see that happen. I, I very strongly said in, in the episode where we talked uh, in depth about it, that they needed to make some changes at the top. It's good to hear that. I didn't actually fully know that story. So I'm kind of hearing it for the first time. So that's good uh, regarding uh, the, the uh, Chopra, whatever his name was. Um, I wanted to throw this in, guys. It's kind of like uh, maybe some of our listeners who don't know. Because again, I think a big part of this was new entrance. The visual, right, Jeremy, a 10 and a 9.5, they both represent the same concept of a gem mint card, but a 9.5 versus a 10. I'm pretty sure tag, when you guys sat down, we're, we're going to have a 10. I'm almost 100% sure there was no, there was no trying to come up with a weird half number or anything like that. But what I did want to say, out of respect for Beckett and out of the fact that yes, I'm a fan of Beckett, guys, we're in Canada. Yeah. Um, Beckett, had had their 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 hands uh, on the expo for so many years they were very intelligent about the way they handled it and that's why they won over so many hockey collectors but when beckett did show up we did have an interesting thing going on sgc was still on a 100 point scale their their gem mint was a 98 psa had a 10 and i really think beckett was just trying to kind of be different like innovative and it was more acceptable at the time but now we've got sgc with their 10 and 9.5 making it even more confusing for new collectors so New entrants like Tag that we're seeing, I, I'm sure you guys understand the value of the visual. Yeah, we don't have a tag. nine. 
we don't have a nine five. We we go so we also grade on a thousand point scale. So like an eight point five starts at eight fifty, a nine starts at nine hundred, and then okay. a ten a ten starts at nine fifty, and a pristine ten starts at nine ninety. So our pristine ten is maybe sort of similar to Beckett's Black Label, where you've got you know four ten grades on on their subs. Now, if you think about it, Beckett actually grades on a forty point scale. That's what that's yeah. your best grade with Beckett yeah. is 40. The yeah. best grade with tag is a thousand. And the best grade with PSA is, is 10. I think SGC's best grade now is 10. They've gotten rid of their, which was never a hundred point scale, but they they had numbers running up to a hundred. So with, with tag, you're getting a more precise grade where with PSA, you're kind of left to guess, you know, is this a, what kind of an eight is this? I, I was talking about, on the couple shows I've done this weekend on my own channel about uh, I, I, I moved at the expo, my high grade Bobby or rookie at a PSA eight, Bobby or rookie, only two higher in the population. And um, I sold that card. Well, that card was a below average eight, but, but that's not, didn't say that on the slab. I recognized it from being an expert in, in, in hockey cards and my buyer recognized it. He's the one that used that. He said, yeah, it's a below average eight, but you know, it's still an eight. And I'm saying, well, I'm glad you th- you feel that way because I want to, you know, I'm willing to let it go for eight money. So, you know, there, there's, we're really limited. Like I agree with what, what with what Cartel is saying. The ten is what people want. Tag certainly recognize that we don't. We have it. We have a ten. So you know, if you grade a nine fifty or higher, we put nine fifty, but we also put the ten on the slab yeah, so you can just see that just that number. You know. Yeah, you get the industry standard, but you also get the tag thousand point uh, scale grade as well. So you just have a little bit, uh, a little bit, you have a lot of more, um, you just have a better idea, more more granularity, more specificity as to the actual condition of your card. Now, what's the difference between a, a 907 and a 908? Well, luckily for you as a tag, well, if you are, if you're going to get cards graded by tag, you can get a, a full grading report that will show you exactly why your card got the, where all the defects are and you know it'll still be hard to decide is it a 907 or what's the difference between the two it's going to be pretty small yeah. but we have our systems our algorithms that tell us which one it is so um just more more uh specificity on the grade but yeah like you're getting at uh cartel we still have a 10 because we recognize that that's what people want speaking of visuals we had a massive visual come out a few days ago and uh I mean, apparently it's top 10 on Netflix. So we had as a hobby, and, and it's funny because we talked about this before the show started, is it was marketed to us by us, that's a quote directly from you, uh, as a sports card show. This And this being the Golden Touch, uh, King of Collectibles, is a show about Ken Golden and Golden Auctions. Uh, like I said previously, marketed to us by us that it was sports cards based. Now there is a, a massive sports card element to this Netflix docu-series. Six episodes. Um, each one was about 35 minutes. And I'm curious to hear how you guys perceived it. I, you know, I really wanted to watch it with someone who was like impartial to the hobby. I mean, unfortunately, that didn't happen because I just felt like binge-watching it on the Friday. But I, I would re-watch it with someone who's never had any kind of foothold in the market whatsoever. Because I think that we're all in this room biased, obviously. I think they did a good job in... What I like the most, actually, is that I think they did a really good job of explaining things that are otherwise difficult to explain to everyday people who aren't in the space every day. 
And those things specifically, I think they did a good job of explaining like what a grading scale was and why it was relevant and how there's a significant uh, increase in price the higher the grade gets. Now, we just finished talking all about grading and, and how there's, there might be some issues now because of how much more something get or expensive something is when the grades start going up. And, you know, the, the, the fact that there's not as much information when something gets graded an eight versus like an eight, five, um, all that stuff aside, they explained what refractors were and why they were relevant, what a serial numbered card was. I love that they, they showcased so many different elements of collecting and, and it really kind of gave me perspective not that I don't already have perspective, but I mean, you can continue to, you know, enhance your perspective. But when you see some of these literal pieces of history, and I don't want to spoil too much for anyone listening, because I do want you guys to watch it if it's something that interests you, but you see declarations of independence and, and for the price of like of this artifact. And and if you're into this, you're into it. If, it, if you're not, you're not. But the, the the fact that the price for this artifact that there's I don't know maybe three of from 250 years ago is like cheaper than some Justin Herbert rookie that doesn't even have a game muse piece of of memorabilia in it uh, might be a sticker auto you know like you start going down the list of like what makes this this card so expensive versus this literal piece of history that might have been signed by people long long ago. Uh, you know, it really makes you wonder and it really makes you appreciate those other pieces perhaps in a way that you you didn't previously appreciate them. So that, that's what I like the most about, ironically, a show about sports cards is like <laughs> that I got to appreciate other things that weren't sports cards. Well, if I, I'll jump in. I, yeah. I watched, I watched the series. I, I think I, I've watched the first five episodes and like, I think I fell asleep during the sixth one. Cause I was binging it and it was just too late. I literally yeah. couldn't keep my eyes open. Uh, not to say that it was the show that put me to sleep because I really enjoyed all of it. Every yeah. minute of it. I was like, I was like, this is awesome. But here's why I thought it was awesome because I went in understanding that it's made for TV. I understand that this is not going to be uh raw footage from Ken Golden dealing with consigners and sellers and his and his staff right it's 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 just not this is made by the people that make pawn stars if you don't know the pawn stars is scripted and that they know if a deal is going to be done before they start shooting then you just need to get with it right so if you go in understanding that this is scripted it's made for tv then i think you're already going to get past like i've seen a lot of posts on it like it was so scripted of course it was scripted. What were you expecting? Of course it was scripted. So once you get, once you, once you're done hearing yourself say that, cause you, you like to be a critic, um, then you can just enjoy it for the entertainment value, which is what I did, but I'm with you coach co in that. I felt that they did a really good job of dumbing a lot of it down so that the, the, the hobby lay person or the person who has no idea just sees it on Netflix can actually get a bit of an understanding. I like that it wasn't all about sports cards. Yeah. Golden auctions, all these auction houses sell a lot of th- a lot a lot of items other than sports cards. It's it's about collectibles. Sport thankfully sports cards are getting a, got a lot of showtime during the the six episodes. There's enough sports cards in there not to jam it down everybody's throat. I think that was pretty awesome and the sports cards that they did feature are definitely headline worthy. So 
I thought they did. I thought it was, I thought they did a great job overall. I saw a comment like, uh, there's no way that's what they're off, how their office operates. That's not how they treat their staff. Who cares? It's a, it's a, it's on, it's a TV show. It's not a documentary. <laughs> it's a TV show. So, you know, just because it might not actually represent what goes on at the corporate headquarters of golden auctions, I'm not saying it does or doesn't, but I just saw someone say that, Oh, I don't think that's how that, that's how they, they run their show. Guys, there was a TV crew in there at the time. Of course, they're going to put on their game face. So I don't overall in summary, I'm glad it's out there. I enjoyed watching it, and I hope that it renews for many more seasons. Yeah, it definitely has a very Pawn Stars feel to it, given that it's by those same people. It's you know, instead of pawning items, we're consigning we're consigning items. There are characters with their side stories, you know, like the guys that you know the, are the scouts, and yeah. and I think that's fun. Yeah. That's how it should be set up. And Jeremy already covered the bases with anyone who. It's criticizing that element. They're missing the entire point. Like, here comes Laura, and we're going to have a funny conversation about his office's bathroom. But anyway, um, you know, all these other all these other items and collectibles, like that Coach Coe's pointing out, it's it's amazing. I, I mean, that's something that's happening in our space right now. Like, and primarily via grading, which we were just talking about. It's grading is kind of the vehicle that suddenly brings to the attention of people video games, comic books, uh, VHS tapes. That's something Beckett also enjoys, um, you know, and, and that's that's happening in the space. It's like cards are almost a gateway. Like you could say maybe sneakers were the gateway for some people, but it's all getting tied up now. It's actually I, I find it exciting. I mean, people are starting to appreciate some collectibles that maybe stagnated or weren't as appreciated uh, as they should be. Um, so that's that's all really good. I like the fact that Ken was very um, upfront when he was describing breaks and, and opening product he yeah. likened it to gambling yeah he was very straightforward about it yeah. but at the same time you know you see drake ripping and having a great time so it's not like he's saying that's you know he's not hurting any element of the hobby he's just making a comment on what it is there's all these different options some people as you know as as, as all three of us know there's some people who just want to rip product you know uh returns be damned they just want to rip product and there's some people that just want to seek out you know a specific vintage card so they cover all the bases and that's really exciting and that's uh yeah i've only watched a couple of episodes so far myself but it's pretty much exactly what i expected it's very slick and it's and it's great for the hobby yeah and it's true to ken golden's brand himself pre pre the show you know i love how in it in in the at the um like the the opening seat president of golden auctions and I am driven by competition, ego, and money. That's what he says. And I, he's leaning into the character. Like, he, it's, again, this is for TV, so he's yeah. trying to build up a character. They're having him, along with the producers, build up a character for, for himself, which he has to do because that's, what, that's what's going to make people watch more and more episodes is this guy who's driven by those three things. And... I think that's consistent with the brand that he's put out there, you know, just by doing his Instagram lives over the past few years and his presence at card shows and all that. So I, I think, I think, I think it's a, I really enjoyed it. I, th I, I think they'll continue to. I think all good characters in TV shows, you need to have an opinion about them one way or the other. Like the good characters yeah. are ones that you either really like or really hate, you know, and it's not the ones that aren't memorable. And I think that, you know, again, if you look at this like a TV show, I think that they did a pretty good job of establishing who these characters were, and you 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 kind of have a feeling for them 
just by watching like do i like this person do i not like this person and and you know bias aside what you know about them aside like if you're just watching a tv show i mean i think that it's very it's very easy to form opinions about about a lot of the people that are that are in that show i mean i found myself i was like oh wait like i wonder if that's how they actually are in real life you know and um I think it's that's because it's a story. At the end of the day, it's it's a story made for TV. It's made made to have, and I mean, apparently, it's that's I think ninth on on the in in the US in terms of trending TV shows. So, I I can't just be people in the hobby that are pumping this thing. You know, it can't just be. I mean, well, it's on what Netflix. The, what, what does the biggest hobby account have yeah. in terms of followers? You know what I mean? Like, like like five hundred thousand, a million. Like we're talking about. The, the trending show on Netflix, which is a global TV show, right? So I, oh, I guess not not global if it's, it's trending in the U.S. <laughs> but still, you know that you you understand what I'm saying, right? So, um, clearly, people are gravitating towards this TV show, and I'm I'm very excited to see what the numbers look like, uh, and if it gets renewed. It's got it. I think it'll get renewed because it's already number nine, like you said, right? Uh, this this sixth. These six episodes is like a pilot season. I, I saw a lot of people disappointed. There were only six episodes, but that's Netflix just making sure not to invest in more than that. Let's see how the how the public responds. And I this is right. I feel like this show is going to be watched by a lot of people. Like Pawn Stars has been going for like I don't know fifteen seasons already. American Pickers, Canadian Pickers, the Canadian spinoff. These shows, at least I think American Pickers is still going. I can't see. I can't see this not continuing. I, I think it was that entertaining for anybody to watch who has any interest in collectibles or sports or, you know, those, these sorts of things. So does, yeah. does this show, but it is made for TV. Yeah. I remember this is made for TV. It's not, it's not made. It's not made for a bunch of uh, cardboard nerds to sit around in a, in a, in a gymnasium and, and learn what goes on behind the scenes. This is, well, this is yeah. made to, be to sell ad to, to sell Netflix subscriptions. Agreed. But of course, those cardboard nerds are going to be the ones with the criticisms, as you mentioned. And it's like, and and you know, Ken knows why some some maybe some people may have issues with him. Ken's aware, but like I, and Ken doesn't care. Ken's on TV now. He doesn't in, in care. Previous, yeah. In a previous show, I said not not only does he not care, it's just the fact that he is a good he is a good selection to be uh, repping the hobby and being in this position. He's, he's been there. He's, he's a character. He's Papa Ken and he's been around. He's passionate about it. I mean, for me, I mean, again, you know, late nights, shop at home. He's uh, he's there. It's comfortable. He's, he's there. I understand without getting into the deeper issues or anything like that. He, he it fits. It makes sense. Even even someone as critical as the cartel can can uh, can say that. Be honest with me. Does this show make you or does this show or anything you've experienced in the last, I don't know, let's say month, because I feel like the hobby is really kind of changed in the last month like we've had two major shows at least like between most of us uh, there have been a lot of big shows um obviously the crucial show in toronto at the sports card expo we just had this netflix documentary come out honestly i look back on april and i'm like i can't believe all that stuff happened in sports cards during this same month do you feel now from the beginning of the month to the end of the month or well you can increase that timeline to six months beginning of the year even has your collecting journey shifted? So are you more open to owning things that you did not own in 2022? And are you looking to acquire things that are outside of like your realm? 
going into 2023 and beyond. We're going into uh, continuing 2023 and beyond. Jeremy, you want to go well, first? For me, I mean, I've started, I've started, you can see right there, that's a def- Atari Defender for the 2600 system that I had as a kid. I've started only this year buying graded video games and not as investments or anything like that. I don't even look at the grade. I don't even know the grading companies. I just want these artifacts on my shelves. I've got, I think, uh, three, four, seven of them so far, all in the last month. So that's changed for me. If that's kind of what you're getting yeah, at, Coach yeah, Co. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely, definitely more interested in that. Uh, cards wise, I mean, nothing really changing there for me. So, but, uh, but you know, you mentioned April being a kind of a big month. What the one of the, first of all, the the Golden Show, I think, is is pivotal. Just yeah. like, just like, um, what was the what was the Jordan doc- documentary that dropped in 2020 called? I always forget the, la- the name last of dance. The last dance. Last dance dropped. Yeah. That was that was the same time in three years ago exactly, pretty much that it yeah. dropped. So yeah. that was a pivotal time. Is this going to be the same as pivotal? Maybe not, because Jordan, I'm sure, has a larger audience and Golden does, but still, it's still pretty good. But the other thing I wanted to get to about April was that just the Sport Card Expo in Toronto, as was alluded to earlier by all of us. It was the they had the biggest attendance ever in the history of the expo this month. Here we are, April 2023, after cards have dropped. You know, the sky's falling over the last year for a lot of people. Yet there were so many kids there. There was so many deals being done. I feel like a lot of the vendors have come to terms that their cards aren't worth what they were in the middle of 2021 and are becoming kind of more realistic now. So I think April, April was a great month for the hobby. Uh, especially for Canadians in the hobby with, with the expo and just how awesome it was. hundred percent. I I've been in, I have too many hobbies. I I've been in all these spaces. Uh, I mean, I, even I, I do have some video games. I'm considering grading my, my perfect copy of Frogger, but you know, so for me, it's just exciting to, 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 to see it all happening. And, and like Jeremy, as far as the realm of sports cards, I don't think anything's really changed. It's just, again, sitting back and seeing the fact that it's growing, it is growing. And, uh, and um, there's people excited about it, so that's a good thing, and it makes you feel, you know, more secure and and excited about your own collection, right? So, yeah, I think I think with that question, I, I meant less about like sports cards and more because I mean, I think we've all kind of been in it long enough to know exactly what we like, and we just buy what we like, and that doesn't necessarily right. shift, uh, you know, very rarely anyway, unless they come up with like a brand new type of card, and even then, you're kind of hesitant, you want to go back and. You probably would have acquired something way before that. That's more up your alley. Um, but it was more so, you know, like the video games that that Jeremy was talking about. Um, yeah. And and for myself, it's like a newfound, not a newfound appreciation, but rather more of uh, a love towards autograph jerseys and things that otherwise, um, things that otherwise would have been, I don't know, just I, I'd overlooked them perhaps at at, uh, at uh, a previous show or whatever the case may be, right? So I think seeing them on TV, seeing how other people are like are like, oh wow, autographed jersey. Like I, I, a few of my friends uh, went to the show with me, the the expo on the Saturday, and just to see I'll their right faces, back. yeah, of course, just to see their faces light up, um, with something like that, with uh, you know, one of my friends specifically wanted to get a display made for a piece that he has at home. 
And I just found that to be so like so great in really giving me a different perspective that I don't normally have because we, we tend to gravitate towards a biased perspective, right? So that's kind of where I went with that. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it touches on, it, it touches on um, the, the, the show again. And the fact that um, sometimes there's more than meets the eye to the space than we, than we even think you saw that at the expo too. There's so much stuff that was available and uh, uh, my uh, one of my booth mates, one of their biggest pickups that they were really excited about. And again, it doesn't entirely float my boat like it was flighting their boat, uh, flighting their boat, floating their boat, floating. tinkling their spinkle. Oh, you, you love um, that one. But uh, they picked up a Matthews 10 with an auto 10. Oh, that's right. Uh, we talked person. about this. Yeah, yeah. Looks look, cool slab, cool card. And um you know, they're, they're, they're newer entrance into the game. They got excited about it. when they showed it to a bunch of people, they got it excited. They got excited about it. Um, I like that. I like, I, I like the, uh, the variety and I like the concept that people are treading different paths, not just the beaten path. That's great. The beaten path is great for many people. Uh, Jeremy's always going to collect his specific things that we, that we're all aware of. I'm always going to collect my specific things. Coach Co is always going to be accumulating Cole Caulfield, PSA 10 young guns, apparently. <laughs> so yeah that's that's a that's a great thing that is a good thing yeah i i just think that for me anyway this month has really kind of showed me uh just how many avenues there are in collecting and in the and how they there's so much overlap and how there really is a lot of room for growth in in to collectible space in general and and really to yeah, kind of how about watch deals? how about deals like mem memorabilia for cards comics for cards comics for video games i mean that's all a good thing, right? I, and I've also seen a lot of people. I mean, I've seen people trade cards for tickets to games now. Now that we're in the playoffs, and and I think that's a wonderful, like a, a, another element, right? Like, you know, seeing so many people who collect cards go to the games and watch the games and appreciate the games. It's just you're really starting to see kind of everything come together. At, at least yes. I have over the course of the last month. Uh, and it's it's just been kind of wonderful to be a part of, uh, more so now than ever. Absolutely. Jeremy, we're going to give you the opportunity to uh, let all of our followers and listeners know exactly where they can find you. Um, and, you know, you got the floor. Go for it. Thank Well, thank you. First of all, really fun conversation. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me on and uh, good to see you guys again. But uh, yeah uh sports cards live is the name of my youtube channel i do uh, live and interactive interviews just about every saturday night um that so sports cards live on on instagram i am j lee underscore sports cards live twitter sports cards liv1 i also have a tiktok account i think it's sports cards live clips and you can find me at most card shows no not not all, not most, but you can find me at the Expo. You can find me at the Toronto Expo, Edmonton Expo, the National, the Burbank Show, the Mint Collective. Man, I tend to go to most of those. I haven't been to a Dallas show yet, but I hope to get there. And of course, we'd love to get to a bunch of the East Coast shows in the U.S. as well. But Instagram and uh, and YouTube are my my two main social media platforms. Love it, man. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for, uh, you know, continuing to do all the great things that you do. I mean, you do you do speak to so many different and pivotal members of the hobby, and and really get as much information as as possible to to not only your listeners but to the, the rest of the hobby space. So, 
we really appreciate you and and you coming on the show today. So thanks very much. For now, team, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, hit that notification bell if you're on YouTube. Come on, you don't want to miss this. And uh, love you guys. Cardboard coaches are out of here. <laughs>